0: Good I'm Chris Oaks and coming up, a look ahead to the second half of the Hancock County Fair with details on everything that's coming up this weekend, including Monday's big junior fair livestock sale. Also this morning, it's week three of the high school football season and opening weekend of conference play in the BBC. Our John Marshall gives us a preview. From the U.S. Open to the Dana Classic to NCAA and even high school football, technology is changing the way fans experience their favorite sports, and fans are constantly looking for more. And we have another collection of yummy recipes from Kyra's Kitchen at the fair. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, September 2nd, 2022. Today, if you need a reason to celebrate, it is National Blueberry Popsicle Day. Now, yesterday we mentioned at the start of the new month, it is Blueberry Popsicle Month. So they get a a month and a special day. How is it that blueberry popsicles rank so incredibly high? I don't get it. I don't. <laughs> what is the what is the fascination of Blueberry popsicles above everything else. But National Blueberry Popsicle Day, it is Pierce Your Ears Day. Uh, Spalding Baseball Day, it is Calendar Adjustment Day today. I have no idea what that means. Do our calendars need adjusting? Do not adjust your calendars. It is a Friday. Uh, heading into a holiday weekend, I don't think we need to adjust that at all. World Coconut Day today, and it is... Victory over Japan Day, VJ Day, in recognition of the official ratification of the Japanese surrender to the Allies aboard the USS Missouri on this day in 1945. So, reasons to celebrate observances and such for today. So, at the Hancock County Fair, and we were talking about it yesterday and the day before, all of the exhibits all of the animals, all of the 4-H projects of the kids, the open class projects. So this is kind of interesting. A related story on the uh, Newswire that I saw here. Uh, In Colorado, the Colorado State Fair, which is going on right now, an artist used artificial intelligence to win the State Fair Art, the fine art competition. Uh, He entered a piece, this uh, person, Jason Allen is his name, he entered a piece titled Teatro d'Opera Special," uh, which is generated using a piece of artificial intelligence software on his computer. The computer created the work of art. Uh, he submitted his piece in the digital slash digitally manipulated portion of the fine arts competition, and while some have criticized the use of artificial intelligence, to create the complete image or the complete work. Uh, He says he spent many weeks fine-tuning the AI engine in the software and created hundreds of images. Once he got one that was perfect, that he really liked, that's the one that he entered into the competition. So, again, some people are saying... That the idea of a digital, digitally manipulated image is just for retouched photographs and works of art, retouched by the computer. But this was completely created by the computer, and some people are crying foul. But you know, this is the uh, this is the thing these days. Yes, you, know, you know, computers actually creating the entire works of art. So, what is the difference between this and like computer animated films and and so on? And those you know, we recognize as legitimate works, so why not? I don't know if there's anything, I haven't been over to the uh, photographs and that sort of thing in the open class or seen any of those yet, I don't know if we have any here, but kind of interesting, big uh, controversy at the Colorado State Fair, kind of interesting. So it is back to school season all around the world, and (laughs) a new study... Finds that many adults need a refresher course on the hum- human anatomy. Many adults. A new poll finds that the public is public at large is lacking a concerning amount of information about their own personal health. Survey of 2,000 adults finds that many are unable to identify key metrics for monitoring their overall health. Just 37% can name their own blood type. Only 24% of adults know what their BMI, or body mass index, is, and less than one in four know what their resting heart rate should be, which (laughs) I'm thinking here at the fair, you see all of these people uh, out (laughs) enjoying these less than healthy foods and things like that, now you know why. We just don't know what's good for us, and that's... Speaking of uh, things that we don't know, kind of interesting, test scores released by the National Center for Education Assistance have showed a significant decline in the reading and math skills of elementary age students since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. This is probably not a huge surprise, the NCEA, National Center for Education Assistance, compared assessments conducted before COVID-19 with those administered in 2022. And the scores were down across the board, but black and Hispanic students saw greater declines on average than white students, Uh, especially in math scores. Reading scores appeared to have declined 6% across the board says, constant access to a computer or tablet was strongly correlated with successful remote learning, which became widespread during the pandemic. They are planning to release a more detailed report later this year. But uh, kind of interesting. That's probably not a surprise, is it, that uh, our kids' proficiency in school declined during the pandemic? Probably not a huge surprise. But maybe it's just because kids have other things that they are worried about. The other things they're concerned about as they head back to school. This is kind of interesting. A new Gallup survey and a sad commentary on our times. Um, New Gallup survey finds that parents' concerns about school safety are at a 20-year high. Following a year of very high-profile incidents of violence. ...in schools, particularly the shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Concerns about school safety are at a 20-year high. Gallup surveyed parents of students from kindergarten through 12th grade, K-12. through 44% of those parents said they fear for their children's physical safety at school... ...more than any year since 2001. And 20% said their children have independently raised concerns about their own safety to their parents... So again, kids may be less concerned about their test scores and more concerned about just making it home at the end of the day. 20%, that's one in five, uh, kids have come to their parents with concerns about their own safety at school. In addition to the Evalde shooting, two other recent high-profile mass shootings, the supermarket attack in Buffalo, the attack on the 4th of July parade in Highland Park, Illinois, and so on and so forth, so... I just thought that was uh, kind of interesting, again, sign of the time. Heading toward back to school. And how about this? Among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, think about this. (laughs) You have to wonder about people sometimes. A YouTuber, is that what we call them now, YouTubers? People who... Uh, make videos on YouTube, become viral celebrities, and so on. A YouTuber from Thailand is on the run after scamming $55 million out of thousands of victims around the globe. Uh, Nataman Kongchak, I think is how you pronounce, uh, apparently scammed a multitude of people by claiming to be a successful foreign exchange trader on her YouTube channel. Which boasts over 800,000 subscribers. She would lure victims into sending her money by claiming it would produce high returns very quickly. She could make them money. And, hey, it's it's a scam as old as the hills. Get-rich-quick schemes. And that's basically what this is. About 6,000 people fell for her scam. And as she raked in millions upon millions of dollars, her victims suddenly began realizing they weren't getting anything in return. And eventually, they started complaining. She then started making excuses that, uh, you know, no investment is guaranteed, that their money had been lost, yada, yada, yada. But she vowed to return what she had taken. She vowed to return the money. Of course, she didn't. She followed up with a sob story that she was being sued and said if she went to jail, no one would be paid. There's, <laughs> there's the classic defense. Don't, don't send me to jail because then no one will get paid. Uh, apparently this girl disappeared, is now reportedly on the run in Malaysia somewhere. Uh, it is unknown if she has been located by one of her angry investors. It says here that <laughs> maybe she might have met her demise. But here's the thing. The YouTube channel called Nutty's Diary. Why, why would you s- send money to someone who runs a YouTube channel by the name of Nutty's Diary, thinking, well, they're gonna make me a lot of money. <laughs> because, well, she's a foreign exchange trader. She must see she must be successful. She's got her own YouTube channel, and not just anyone can have their own YouTube channel, right? Right. <laughs> always got to be on the alert there you go some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your friday morning started
1: wfin news i'm matt demchek your wtol 11 weather partly to mostly cloudy skies are expected today a high of 87 skies will be partly cloudy tonight a low of 66 your full forecast is on the way the University of Finley is warning the Finley community about scammers claiming to be collecting donations on behalf of UF. The university says it's been made aware of multiple attempts by individuals going door-to-door, falsely claiming that their university students are requesting donations on the university's behalf. Anybody who comes across the scammers should report them to the Finley Police Department. The university says people who are authorized to solicit on behalf of UF will always have official university documentation with them. A U.S. Senator from Ohio is making a plea to the international community after returning from Ukraine.
0: Outgoing Ohio Senator Rob Portman says the international community needs to pressure Russia to stop using a nuclear plant in Ukraine for military purposes. The Cincinnati area Republican returned from Ukraine with Democratic Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota on Wednesday. While in Kiev, they met with Ukraine's president and senior leaders to talk about the dangers of the shelling near Europe's largest nuclear power plant still being used to power the country. I'm Jack Crumley.
1: The Finley-Hancock County Public Library is encouraging people who don't have one yet to get a library card during National Library Card Sign-Up Month this month.
2: The library would think there's nothing more empowering than getting your own library card. It gives you access to technology, resources, and services to help you pursue your
3: passions and your dreams.
1: Library Director Sarah Clevedon says nearly 30,000 members of the community are currently library card holders. And they'd like to sign up a lot more during National Library Card Sign-Up Month. Get more details on all the library has to offer on the website. Officials are warning of ticket scams heading up to Ohio State's big football season opener against Notre Dame this weekend.
2: The Better Business Bureau says because it's a primetime game, many are selling fake tickets. But the BBB says it is not just about the money. Some are looking to steal your identity.
1: ONN's Yolanda Harris reporting that officials are also reminding people to always purchase from verified ticket websites. The Buckeyes and Irish game is at seven thirty Saturday night at the Horseshoe. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at wfin.com. It's coming
0: by just a girl walking her cow. It's just something you see every day. I live here especially today. Today's a big day for the uh, cattle. Uh, Jeff Cole is with us once again. Also uh, Lauren Berner-Kitzler, 4-H Extension Educator, with us as well. Lauren, this is your first uh, fair as Grand Poobah uh, in charge of the 4-H program. How are things going?
4: That is correct, yes. Um, I'm very excited to be here as the Extension Educator, and, and things are going very well. So I've mainly been in the youth building doing activities, but it's great seeing the youth come through and the smiling faces.
0: How, how cool is it that you have... we have such great 4-H youth that everything can kind of run itself and allow you to spend all your time kind of in the youth building and not having to put out fires and things like that.
4: Definitely. Uh, So we have 37 amazing 4-H clubs here in our county. They all have a booth represented in the youth building, so I encourage all Mm -hmm. of our listeners to go out, check out those booths. You can take votes on people's choice of what was best decorated and looks do you feel looks best? Um, that's happening today until 11, and then we will close that and put up the People's Choice Award. But it's just—it's great to see the advisors, the 4-H members come together, take turns taking shifts in the building, and, and all coming together and working.
0: Well, and all of these youth that are really. Uh, directly involved in pulling off all of the shows and everything that goes on with the Junior Fair. I mean, I saw the uh, fair queen. Well, here she comes again, and she's been yes, back and forth is. like six or seven times already. You keeping her busy. So, I mean, these kids not only put in the work with their projects, with their animals, and and all of that, but they are directly involved in putting on the Junior Fair.
4: That that's absolutely true. These Junior Fair Board members put in hours day in and day out, and You know, I I was once in their shoes, and and I was chit-chatting with some people earlier this week that being on this side of it as the educator, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that a lot of people don't realize. Yeah. But without all those behind-the-scenes, we wouldn't be where we are today. So, you know, from ribbons to counting to trophies, labeling everything, it's... It's a lot, but it all pays off in the end.
0: Yeah, uh, it has been a great first couple of days here at the fair, right, Jeff? You yeah. would say. the attendance has been it, the attendance yesterday was good for a Saturday.
5: Attendance <laughs> yesterday, by by statistical purposes anyway, would be good at Saturday. That's right. So uh, both uh, Wednesday and Thursday, we've looked back 15 years, and so um, Wednesday was second only to last year's Wednesday. As we look back 15 years, and yesterday uh, would have been also second only to last year's Thursday. But I do want to say, that's based on ticket sales, but we had over 3,000 people walking yeah. the, in the gates yesterday. Uh, on our on our special offers. So, so they came in with uh, no charge admission. So yeah. It was so a big crowd yesterday. A big
0: crowd yesterday. The weather has been absolutely perfect, and You're that will continue that. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> over the uh, the next couple of days. Got big stuff going on uh, all weekend long. Mention again
5: some of the uh, stuff that's happening uh, over the weekend. Sure, I, and I think it's fine that we're repetitive, because I know you had mentioned some of these yeah. things earlier. So tonight is uh, barrel uh, the Battle of the Barrels. And uh, KOI Drag Racing and then Luke Roush is in the uh, main right. part. So uh, we, we're calling it dinner and a show. So grab your favorite fair food and go over and take in the music there. Uh, tomorrow, uh, the change of our schedule, the major change of our entertainment sh- schedule, uh, arrives tomorrow in the sense that the demo derby is tomorrow evening. Mm-hmm. The South Track, uh, everybody's favorite, the horse poles. Uh, our uh, our tomorrow night, Saturday night, and uh, uh, we have Hunter Hoop in the mini-park then, and then uh, Sunday is um, uh, tractor pull starting at noon, NTPA starts at uh, 7 o'clock, I believe, don't quote me on that, I think it's 7, maybe 7.30, and then um, uh, we also have the gospel concert Sunday Mm -hmm. evening, Right. and uh, Kaleida folk are in the mini-park that night, so...
0: And, of course, then Monday leads up to the big livestock sale. And that is, and we've talked about it uh, in the past, every year we talk, this is payday for all of these kids who work so hard year-round on their projects.
4: So I I definitely think it's it's a great day. It's a day that shows the community all coming together, supporting all our kids in one way, shape, or form. Great, great business to see all of our communities coming together. So it's I know, and I was in those shoes. It's it's a big day you look forward to. Yeah. Uh, You know, sad that it's coming to the end, but um, it's it's a good day to support the communities.
0: And that's really what it's all about—the support for the for the youth—and it is so cool to see so many people come together to show such great support for the kids. Absolutely,
5: and you know, I do want to thank all of our buyers. Uh, who give up their Labor Day mm-hmm. to spend, uh, six or eight hours with us in the sale ring, uh, supporting these kids. And along with all of our buyers, again, appreciate you so much. Um, we also have a lot of folks who just come in and want to donate. Here's $10. Here's $50. Put it on this, you know, individual's project. And so, um, there's a, there's a lot that goes into that. And, uh, and that's a great, great part of what we do here. Um, I mean, it's almost, it's just under a half a million dollars that goes through that livestock sale that gets uh, divided up and out to each one of these kids. So it's, it's a really big deal. It's a
0: big chunk of change. And, Lauren, another aspect of that, again, that sometimes people don't think about is that, this really teaches the kids about the marketing of uh, their animals and, and so on. They have to go and solicit buyers and and establish those relationships with buyers and so on. So it, it's about much more than just bringing the animals in the ring and, you know, they're auctioned off and that's the end of it.
4: Yep, definitely. Um, you know, we, we encourage all of our youth to write thank you cards. You can walk through Most of the livestock barns and see posters up from thanking those previous buyers from the year before and just seeing the list of businesses, individuals um, listed on those posters. So um, definitely a good way to all come together.
0: What happens starting Tuesday with all all of these 4-H kids?
4: (laughs) Tuesday is a crazy day. The fair is officially over, which is, is sad for, for most, but we will be ready for next year. But Tuesday in the youth building is, is cleanup time. We are right. tearing down. We are returning projects back. It's a little bit of little craziness, but it's, it's, uh, it's all good. But it's yes, a calm craziness. It is a calm, <laughs> yes. Definitely, definitely. But,
0: but then, you know, do you take some time off, uh, or is it right into the next year?
4: So on the 4-H side, we have a little bit of a break, but then we go right into our big celebration of um, 4-H. That is also paid. That is where the livestock members receive their their paycheck that they've mm-hmm. worked for. Right. Um, we have a big volunteer recognition banquet that we, we team up with the senior fair board every year. Do a nice catered meal just, just to give back. And everybody just time to debrief and just come together and um, enjoy a good a good meal. So, yeah.
0: So- and it won't be long you turn that around and start thinking about next year's Absolutely, projects. yep. Moving, yeah.
4: moving right back into the next year, starting with camp and judging. and
0: um, <laughs> It all just starts. It, right it, does, again. it does. It's the circle so. of life, <laughs> <that's> right, <laughs> that's as, right. that's as it, right, it were. Yes. So uh, a lot of things going on over the next several days. Uh, make sure that you take time to go through the youth building, see all of the kids with their animals and, and, and so on, and highlight the uh, junior fair because, uh, you know, that's... Really, what it's all about—it's a big part of what it's all yeah. about.
5: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. All the all the other work that we do that goes on with the fair is really dedicated to make sure that we can continue to offer this to the junior yeah. fair. So, yeah, looking absolutely. ahead to the next generation.
0: Again, uh, Jeff Cole and uh, Lauren Berner Kitzler with us uh, this morning. Looking ahead to uh, the weekend of the fair, the big livestock sale on Monday. Guys, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris.
4: Yes, thanks, Chris.
3: I'm John Marshall with his High School Football Preview. It's week three and conference play arrives for most of the Blanchard Valley Conference, the exception being Pandora Gilboa, which hosts a non-conference meeting with Lipsick. The 11 from Van Lu travel to Macomb, Corey Rawson visits Riverdale, and Van Buren makes the short trip across Cass Township to meet Arcadia. Ethan Purser, coach at Arcadia, on the matchup with the Knights as the team battles for its first win of the season.
1: They're going
0: to run the ball. They got some experience, interior. Their quarterback, he likes to run the ball as well. I think our kids are ready. We're getting them in the position where they need to be to make
3: plays. The BBC Game of the Week sees Liberty Benton take its 2-0 record to Arlington to meet the Red Devils at Dotcaster Field as the Red and Black also fight to stay unbeaten. You can hear that game tonight on WKXA. Don Masters and I will bring you the broadcast starting with pregame at 635 on 100.5 and WKXA.com. The Finley Trojans will look for their first win of the season when they head north to Bowling Green. This is a non-conference meeting this year, but the third straight non-conference matchup with teams they'll face in league play beginning next year with the move to the Northern Lakes League. Finley coach Stefan Adams on the Bobcats. They give you
5: a little bit of wing tee. They also give you a spread look too. Defensively, they kind of play a multiple front defense, so they've been able to be in a three down front, or be in a four down front. They're strong, they're stout. Guys with long arms can kind of be
3: a problem for you, and they have length everywhere. Football coverage begins at 610 with tonight in high school football, followed by the Trojan pregame at 630. Tim Montgomery and Cliff Height have the call starting at 7 on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. Ottawa Glandorf is at home as they open Western Buckeye league play with Elida. OG is 0-2 after the non-league slate, while Elida enters the game at 2-0. You can hear all the action on 106.3 The Fox. Other area games include Independent North Baltimore traveling to McGuffey to meet Upper Scioto Valley, 2-0 Carey taking the trip to Toledo to face weight, Hopewell Loudon looks to get above 500 in a short trip to Faustoria, Bluffton hosts a non-league game with Ayersville at Harmon Field in a meeting of 500 teams, and the 1-on-1 Polar Bears from Hard Northern take State Route 81 West 9 miles to face Ada at War Memorial Stadium. Elmwood wraps up their non-league slate with a trip to Lafayette to face Allen East. Again, BBC Action tonight on WKXA with Liberty Benton at Arlington, Finlay at Bowling Green on WFIN, and the OG Titans Battle League Lida on 106.3 The Fox. I'm John Marshall, WFIN Sports.
0: Well, once upon a time, people like you and I were simply spectators of professional sports. Not so anymore. Technology like artificial intelligence and cloud computing now enable fans around the world to have new immersive experiences with their favorite sport and connect with players in ways that have never before been possible. How are these cutting-edge technologies impacting sports and bettering the fan experience. Noah Syken is vice president of global sponsorships and client exclusive programs at IBM. Noah, let me start with that basic question. How is technology changing sports for the average fan?
6: Thanks, Chris. We think that artificial intelligence and cloud computing are, are really enabling fans to engage in immersive experiences in new kinds of ways. They're they're able to participate more, they're able to get new perspectives uh, about what's happening on the field from athletic performance to how the teams are coaching. So uh, whether it's immersive experience for fans or whether uh, it's how the competition is being conducted, these technologies are really changing the game in a lot of ways.
0: And what I think is interesting is that fans are now, it seems, increasingly expecting these types of experiences and constantly craving more, always looking for the next new thing.
6: Well, exactly. I think the bar is being raised almost... Every week, every month now, as new kinds of technologies are rolled into, uh, into sports, you can see a football game from 12 different angles now. You can have multiple uh, commentators, uh, you know, calling that game depending on what channel you're going to watch. Uh, so the bar is just always being raised. And so that's what we're challenged with when we work with uh, great sporting events. How do we continue to raise the bar?
0: Now, as an example of that, uh, IBM recently worked with the uh, USTA, the U.S. Tennis Association, to bring the U.S. Open tennis tournament to life this year. Talk
6: a little bit about that. Yeah, so we've partnered uh, with the U.S. Open for over 30 years. We've created the first website mobile application, uh, brought them all the way into the artificial intelligence age. And this year, uh, we have a couple new features. The IBM Power Index is a new take on the tennis ranking system, really focusing on the momentum and recency of data. Uh, And so we have our own take on how the players are playing leading into the tournament. Um, That also results in new forms of data in the the context of predictions for each singles match for the U.S. Open. We're making predictions about who's going to win each of those matches, taking into account over 100 million sources of information. Uh, And then fans have the ability to vote, to have their say, and compare who they think is going to win relative to the artificial intelligence or to the other fans who are making those same kinds of votes.
0: Now, this is one example. Uh, There are a number of other sports partnerships that IBM has as well. Talk about other ways that uh, fans can see these uh, kinds of technologies uh, put into action.
6: Sure. So uh, the U.S. Open's kicking off right now, but so is the NFL football season. Uh, And IBM's partnered with ESPN Fantasy Football uh, to bring artificial intelligence into their app. Uh, We know that everybody focuses on who they're going to draft at the beginning of the season. But the reality is, is that the winner at the end of the season is who manages their team the best, Throughout the season, when those injuries happens, when players underperform, you've got to trade, you've got to get a new player. And so we have the Watson trade analyzer uh, on your shoulder, analyzing your trade proposals to your competitors. Is the trade fair? Is it, are you going to get a short end of the stick? Or do you think it's going to result uh, in um you know, positive outcomes over the long term. So, in addition to the historical features we provided, things like who's going to boom every week, who's going to bust every week, this new trade analyzer is going to be there to help you improve your performance all through the
0: season. It's interesting you uh, talk about uh, fantasy football because, I, as I was as you were talking about this, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, uh, this uh, is obviously perfect for uh, like fantasy football, f- fantasy sports in general. Uh, obviously, sports wagering is now becoming increasingly popular i mean these are uh perfect examples of the applications of this technology
6: yeah well I really think about it where where does the data exist you know data is being kicked off absolutely everywhere in the world of, in the world of sports in particular and that data is being kicked off on the field by the traditional you know metrics of the aces in the tennis court how fat you know how many first sounds did the you know quarterback make right but what AI is really, really good at is reading information, reading a 100 million sources of information, who's writing what, and bringing that into the mix as well. And so you really have to think about all the data you have access to, whether it's Uh, you know, numbers or whether it's words, all of those kinds of uh, inputs are important to sports, but also business.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say, too. I mean, we talk about this in the context of sports, and it's pretty easy to see uh, what the uh, sports leagues and such get out of this. Uh, What is IBM's take, and how do you uh, then parlay this or apply this uh, technology into, you know, other
6: ways uh, as well? Sure, well, you know, the U.S. Open and, you know, ESPN, they're both businesses. Yeah, people think about them sure. as sporting events, and obviously they are. Right. Uh, but they're businesses. Over 800,000 people come out to the U.S. Open. So they may be fans, but they're actual customers and clients. And so what we really think about is how do we generate value for these businesses? And we want other businesses, banks, cust- banks, uh, communications companies, et cetera, to imagine how these same capabilities can improve their ability to please their customers. So um, they're all businesses. They just have slightly different names and they name their customers slightly different things.
0: Noah Seiken is vice president of global sponsorships and client exclusive programs at IBM, talking about the intersection of technology and sports in the 21st century. And where do we get more information?
6: Yeah. So folks can go to ibm.com slash sports to learn more about what we're talking about here today, as well as um, all the sports that were, participating in and all the businesses that we help in these ways as well
0: Noah, thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it
6: yeah thanks for having me i appreciate it as well we interrupt this program to bring you a broken
5: news alert
0: today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service more or less of hancock county veterans services So, a uh, man is behind bars in Seattle, I believe is where uh, this happened. Uh, Sno- uh, Snohomish County, Washington. So, uh, that part of uh, Washington state. Man is behind bars because he tried fishing with a string tied to a rodent glue trap. And you think, why, why would that send someone to jail? Well, may have been what he was fishing for. Money. 27 year old Sean Stewart. Uh, apparently went on a month-long fishing expedition, thought it would be a good idea to fish for cash at the bank night deposit boxes. <laughs> Local bank. He started his spree in January when he would prowl around night deposit boxes across the county, then lower the glue trap into them connected to a string and try and fish out the deposits. Uh, Stanwood Police Chief Jason Toner said of Mr. Stewart's fishing technique, quote, this particular method is pretty unique. We haven't seen that one before. He basically started months and months ago and started doing this little fishing for cash out of a bunch, a bunch of night drops at local banks. Mr. Stewart was caught after a Wells Fargo employee found one of his handmade fishing contraptions that he left behind. <laughs> so police knew to be on the lookout. And when he came into Stanwood and he tried to do it there, uh, he was captured on video, and you can figure out the rest. The police chief said he was only successful a few times out of the many times he tried at area banks. He was arrested and booked in the Snohomish County Jail, facing 13 counts of second-degree burglary. So, file <laughs> that under the category of, sounded like a good idea at the time. Speaking of, see, now... If you really want to rob a bank, this is the way you do it. This is the way you do it. Go big or go home. Three Texas men have pleaded guilty to a bank robbery conspiracy in Florida where the trio attached chains to ATM machines to yank them out of the wall and get to the cash. Roderick Tyree Irvin, Christopher Merchant, and Hakeem Thomas, all of Houston, Texas, have pleaded guilty to conspiracy and bank robbery. Around 3 a.m., the suspects attached chains to the ATM machine at the Sun Trust Bank building, uh, in uh, Florida. I'm not sure exactly where in Florida this was. Why they went to Florida for this, I don't know. Don't they have ATMs in Houston? I have no idea. You would think they do. But anyway, uh, they, uh, attached chains to the machine at the bank and then attached those chains to a stolen pickup truck and they used the truck to attempt to pull the protective outer covering off the ATM machine and expose the cash held inside. What they apparently didn't count on was the fact that the ATM machine has a video camera. (laughs) Responding deputies found a stolen pickup truck with the chains still attached to it, abandoned near the damaged ATM. They followed the trail of debris and eventually located all three suspects hiding nearby in their getaway car. Why were they just he- hiding in the getaway car? Well, because they attempted to flee but became disabled when they hit a large rock. Thank <laughs> robbery geniuses here. The three occupants bailed out of the car and tried to flee on foot, but were arrested following a brief pursuit. <laughs> Alrighty then. Elsewhere in the broken news... A bad paint job on a stolen car leads to an arrest in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Police say they spotted a Honda Civic yesterday evening with what they described as a very, pr- very fresh and very poorly done coat of black spray paint. They got suspicious, made a traffic stop, and found Willie Carl Stewart behind the wheel. They say he claimed uh, he claimed he bought the once white vehicle uh, legitimately at an area lot and that it came newly painted. However, he did not have a title or even a bill of sale, and he was arrested on suspicion of possessing possession of a stolen vehicle. So. <laughs> he just spray painted it black, he said. They'll never figure this out. But they did. Uh, let's see here. This is a big oops. Uh, in Los Angeles County, LA County, the Office of Emergency Management, somebody has egg on their face, after sending out an emergency alert telling all of Los Angeles County to evacuate because of a wildfire. <laughs> They're looking into what triggered the massive evacuation order and who was behind it. The emergency alert system interrupted regular programming on TV and radio, uh, yesterday, no, Wednesday, telling everyone in Los Angeles County to evacuate, uh, a fire. And it's a- actually was a legitimate fire. The route fire is burning in the northern part of the county, uh, but, uh, not LA County directly. The fire has burned less than two tenths of a percent of the uh, land in LA County. So asking everyone in LA County to evacuate (laughs) might be, might be a little much. Somebody's got egg on their face after that one. And finally, in the broken news this morning, you know, when you board a plane, you expect maybe some peanuts or uh, a drink. You don't expect you might get a tattoo. A, a man named Asher tattooed the woman sitting next to him on a recent flight because she wanted some body art. Uh, apparently, they got to talking. He, She found out he was a tattoo artist, and she wanted a tattoo. So he whipped out his portable tattoo gun and got to work right there on board the plane. Uh, the woman said uh, she was worried that she wouldn't find a tattoo parlor at their destination. I don't know where they were going but she was worried there wouldn't be a tattoo parlor, and she really wanted a tattoo. Uh, and apparently, the uh, tattoo artist did get the thumbs-up from flight attendants before he got to work. Photos of the impromptu ink session show uh, Asher inking up the woman uh, with the word, hello, on her right wrist. Now, Asher, the tattoo artist... Says he followed all safety and sanitation protocols, but there is some question of whether a plane is actually a good substitute for a tattoo parlor. <laughs> Either way, it says both of them got off the flight with a new memory and new expectation for their next flight experience, I guess. That, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't, but I mean, what happens if you hit turbulence in the middle of. Anyway, there you go. That is uh, today's Broken News Report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. And
3: yet another major brand just announced is halting all social media
6: advertising. The two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth and trust. They are the two most precious commodities for all brands, big and small. As an advertiser, you have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth. Using the media consumer's trust. Radio, it's on. This message provided by WFIN.
0: And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Of course, Labor Day is Monday, and chances are good, in your mind, you are already there Uh, With that in mind, the uh, wonks at the data tech company Numerator have crunched the numbers to figure out what Americans uh, are doing this holiday weekend, heading into this holiday weekend. For example, 94% of a little over 1,000 Americans surveyed say they planned to make purchases for the holiday, most of them food-related. Let's see, well, barbecue for Labor Day, cookout, last big blast of the summer, makes sense. 58% say they plan to make meat or seafood purchases. 54% are buying snacks. 48% are buying fruits. 44% buying side dishes. 43% plan to buy alcoholic beverages. Really? Just 43%? I would have guessed that would have been higher. But that's what it says. 61% say they are planning to grill or barbecue for the weekend. 53% say they are gathering with family and friends. 58% of boomers and older respondents will be doing that. By comparison, 37% of Gen Zers will be going out to eat or drink or both. 26% will travel or attend a party or throw a party. Uh, about one in four. 63%, according to the data, of Generation X were the most likely to fire up the grill. 63%. Uh, that said, it says there are some clouds on the horizon. 32% say high gas prices will curtail the length of their road trip. 22% say high gas prices will keep them at home this year. Half of the consumers polled said inflation would put a damper on their Labor Day shopping and party plans. Just 17% said COVID-19 would affect their holiday. Kind of interesting. And uh, one other item here in respect to the Labor Day holiday weekend. According to the travel booking site Hopper, some 12.7 million Americans are expected to take to the air this weekend. They say Atlanta, Denver, and LAX are going to be the biggest flight hubs in the country for the long weekend. And if you're looking to get away, Kayak says the cheapest flights are into Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The average ticket price from all destinations into Fort Lauderdale is $246. Orlando uh, will set you back $260. Elsewhere in the Sunshine State, a flight to Tampa, will set you back an average of $287, which is kind of interesting that Orlando is cheaper than Tampa. Uh, I have found uh, in my travels that it's the opposite, but Tampa is fourth place on the uh, top five cheapest domestic flights list. Uh, Nashville was ranked third with an average ticket price of $282, Las Vegas rounded out the top five with an average ticket price of $290. But if you're going to Las Vegas, the ticket price is the least part of the cost that you have to consider. You know what I mean? Of course, it is tradition to finish up the week with... Another collection of yummy recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. And true to form, my wife Kyra has joined us at the fair yes, I this have. morning. And I had to get up early. Everybody's... On <laughs> <laughs> my day Because normally, see, here's the thing. Uh, normally on Fridays we actually do the show from the bunker, from yep. the home studio. Yep. And so you just kind of come wandering in wandering in your PJs. Wandering in with my PJs. <laughs> Good morning. Actually had to get up, get a shower, get yeah. dressed. Yeah, and to do <laughs> Come to all the that ground. stuff
2: today. Now, oh. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> That's dedication right there. Yeah. That's dedication. I love you, honey. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Not for me, for the throngs of fans. Oh, it's amazing okay. how okay. everybody, I mean, Jeff Cole, uh, the fair president, yeah. he, was, he was talking to me from the moment we got here. Yeah. He said... Kyra's gonna be here on Friday, right? Aww. She's gonna have her, her recipes, right? Thank you. So, Thank you. <laughs> so anyway. But uh, yeah, we do have uh another collection of recipes and these are kind of I don't not necessarily fair recipes. Right. But kind of fair inspired in that these are the types of things you might find Correct. at the fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean these are because yeah. they're fried country
2: type stuff. Too.
0: Because they're they're fried yes. And probably not real healthy. No.
2: None of these are real healthy. (laughs) No no healthy recipes. (laughs) In in the tradition of... Healthy, what's that? (laughs) In
0: the tradition of fried unhealthy foods for the fair, we have a recipe for, and this sounds yummy, pork fingers with gravy.
4: Yes. It is actually yummy. It doesn't sound
0: like we had this the the other night. night. It was very, very good.
2: So one pound of tenderized uh, pork cube steaks three-fourths cups of um, all-purpose flour, one-and-a-half tablespoons of Old Bay seasoning or a seafood seasoning, uh, one teaspoon of baking powder, two cups of milk divided, one large egg, one tablespoon of soy sauce, one teaspoon of Carolina barbecue sauce, four tablespoons of butter, salt and pepper to taste, and oil and butter for frying. So prepare the oven at 200 degrees. That's to keep your cube steaks warm. While you're making the gravy. Okay. Uh, Then um, pat the cube steaks thoroughly dry with paper towels. Cut into strips approximately one to one and a half inches wide, uh, three to four inches long. Um, Then in a large bowl, mix your flour, your seasoning, your baking powder together. Then in another bowl, whisk together your milk, your egg, your barbecue sauce, and your soy sauce. Then place a large skillet over medium heat um add enough oil to fill the skillet about a quarter inch deep um and then um then start um uh place a large I'm lost my place <laughs> and now it's blowing so then while the oil is heating uh start dipping your steak so you're right. going to dip your steak in your flour then in your egg then back in your flour then into the pan okay so you got you've got three steps um, so then, coat the, yeah, the coat them. Pork yep. fingers. And then a couple minutes on each side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll want to keep an eye on them. Um, and then just keep doing that until you're all done. Then once you're all done, place those in your preheated, um, oven. So then, to keep them warm. Yes. Okay. So then what you'll need to do to make your gravy is, uh, melt your butter. Um, and then once that's melted, add Four tablespoons of your seasoning that you used to coat your okay. cube steak. So it okay. still has that that kind of that same taste to it. Okay. Um, then whisk until bubbly. Then whisk in your milk. Continue to whisk until it thickens. Uh, taste and then season with salt and pepper if you need to. If you like it the way it is, then you're good to go. Uh, remove the gravy from the heat. Uh, put in a bowl. Um and then if the gravy starts getting too thick, you can add more milk if you need to. I didn't need to. I was good. So yeah. I guess it just depends. If you want it a little bit thinner, um, mm-hmm. then, then add a little bit more milk. I like it, a good... Thick yeah, I did uh, too. gravy. So, so then serve with your fingers uh warm and uh your gravy is your dipping sauce or if you want to put it on top of was going Uh yeah. yeah, we
0: dipped in yeah. the gravy but you yeah, could just you could slather a, it yeah, all over those. Sli- pork yeah, fingers. and, and I delicious. did mashed
2: potatoes with ours. Yeah, so
0: yeah, I so. just yeah. Your side here, though, yep. is for beer cheese, mac and yes. cheese.
2: Yes, so I made this the other night, too. Uh, I think I did this a couple weeks ago. Uh, so one pound of elbow macaroni, three tablespoons of butter, three tablespoons of all-purpose flour, a cup of beer, a cup of milk, one tablespoon of Dijon mustard, one eight-ounce cheddar cheese block, uh, eight-ounce Monterey Jack cheese block, uh, some papri- half a teaspoon of paprika, and salt and pepper to taste
0: so the beer does it really matter you know what what beer
2: no, in the not sense, really. I'm just,
0: I'm, I'm wondering. I don't know
2: if I would use one of the flavored beers that they. Well, have that's what there I now. was
0: wondering. I mean, and you it, might, it might give it a little bit of a different flavor. Maybe,
2: yeah. I just use the regular. Um, just, I just think I think I use like Michelob Light or something, or <laughs> maybe Bush. I don't know. That was it. just whatever one was in handy. Fridge, okay. The boys are the ones that drink <laughs> the beer, so <laughs> if it was in our <laughs> Is that our fridge, that's yeah. what we used Yeah, but I'm a wine I, drinker. I'm just wondering
0: <laughs> if. You use like a summer shanty or, you know, Maybe, one of those, yeah, one of those, yeah. uh, yeah, uh, uh, autumn type blends, oh, whether I that would give would it good. a little bit yeah. of a different taste yeah. to it. Yep,
2: I, I don't mean, know. I mean, you've got the other seasonings right.
0: in there as well, but you might yeah. end up with a little bit yeah. of a yeah. different taste. So, so.
2: so bring a large pot of water to boil, season with salt, uh, cook pasta according to the box instructions, drain completely once the pasta is cooked. Uh, while the pasta is cooking, you can make your beer cheese sauce. So measure your ingredients, uh, grate the cheese, melt the butter over medium heat, whisk in your flour until smooth, um, start pouring in the beer while slowly whisking because uh, it's going to thicken up. So let the mixture come to a simmer, whisk in your milk, your mustard, your salt, your pepper, your paprika. Uh, Get all that kind of, uh, make sure it's a little thicker, then Mm -hmm. add your cheese, and then your cheese is really going to thicken it up. Uh, Stir constantly then, and then add your pasta. Let it cook on medium low for just a couple more minutes to kind of get it all ooey-gooey together, and then
0: take off the heat and serve. There you go. Simple as that. And for dessert, we have a... Uh, Peach cobbler cookie cups. Yes. Recipe.
2: Yes. I like. I love making cookie cups. Say that five (laughs) times, Beth. Peach
0: (laughs) cobbler cookie cups. So,
2: one 16 ounce package of refrigerated sugar dough, uh, cookie dough, uh, a half a cup of granulated sugar, and one can of peach pie filling. And then for your streusel, it's three tablespoons of flour, three tablespoons of brown sugar, two tablespoons of butter, cold, and a half a teaspoon of cinnamon. So preheat air oven to 350 degrees. Divide your cookie dough into 24 pieces. Then you're going to roll those, each of those pieces and then roll them in the sugar. Um, and then, um, fill each of the, uh, your mini muff pans, grease those with your, your right. pan or however you want to do it with your, uh, spray or with, if you're, if it's easier, if you like your Crisco, you can do that too. Um, then put each, of the little balls of cookie dough into each one of the, uh, mini, mini pans and then bake it at 350 for about 15 minutes. Um, just do it like that. And then while the cookies are cooking, while the cookies are baking, then you can cut up your, your peaches because your peaches are a little bit bigger in your can. Mm -hmm. So you're going to want to cut those up a little bit, um, into smaller pieces. Combine your streusel in a small bowl, using a fork, or if you have a, a blender, you can do that too. Set that aside. Uh, then remove your cookie cups from the oven. Press in the center uh, with a wooden handle or the bottom of a shot glass. full each with pie filling. Top with your streusel. Return to the oven for about another additional five five minutes until the edges are golden. Remove from the oven, and then you're good
0: to go. Man, Simple as that. Yes. It's good stuff. Uh, the pork fingers with gravy, the beer cheese, mac and cheese, and the peach cobbler cookie cups. Yep. All of those recipes are posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen, W-F-I-N, on Facebook. And uh, also linked up at goodmornings.net. So you can find all of those there. And there you go. Recipes yep. from Kyra's Kitchen from the fair. My yep. wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, that, of course, goodmornings.net. Lots to do on Tuesday after we take an extended break for the Labor Day weekend, remembering Bill Roos and his legacy in the community and Blanchard Valley Health System. Plus, the kids are heading back to school, and that means a half million big yellow buses back on America's Road. Boats. With so much attention about alternative fuel vehicles to protect the environment, what about the country's largest public transportation network? So, until Tuesday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.